Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Andy Behrens and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Oh, do you know what satisfied me today? Well, a lot has actually satisfied me today. Number one, Jimmy Butler is in the NBA Finals. That's fun. Number two, the fantasy baseball season is finally mercifully over. I'm a two-time world champ. It feels so good. I'm glad to have that past us because that takes a lot of time. But it's a fun little mini season. And number three, I think the thing that I find most satisfying right now is that the week three injury report in the NFL, not nearly as terrible is the week two injury report. It's never good. It's never good. Tariq Cohen tore an ACL. Deontay Johnson was concussed in uh, in week three early in that game. Chris Carson strained a knee on a pretty dirty play in the Cowboys game. But still, this was nothing like the absolute waking nightmare of week two. We can manage our way around many of this week's problems via the waiver wire. And that, of course, is why we are here. It is why you are here. This is the usual weekly waiver wire podcast. I am not joined today by my usual co-host Scott Pianowski. He is unavailable, so we brought in a pretty big gun. Um, we are joined today by John Paulson of 444.com. John is, of course, one of the fantasy industry's most accurate experts. I think people by and large know that. Uh, that is as measured by some very prominent fantasy scientists over at Fantasy Pros. He's been a Fantasy Pros rankings champ multiple times, I believe. Also, just a really good dude. Someone that uh, I've known, I think, for over 10 years. He's a Packers fan. I'm a Bears fan. Our teams are probably one, two in whatever order at the top of your NFL power rankings right now. So that seemed like a great, a great time, great opportunity to get him on. John, how you doing? Not bad. It's good to see you, Andy. Usually we just talk in, in August on my pod and then uh, you, you called up and wanted me to come on yours. So I'm happy to do it. Uh, yeah. What uh, what is going on at uh, at four for four right now, by the way? Uh, we're a fantasy uh, football subscription site, so we've got rankings and tools that will help you with your uh, with your league. And uh, we just launched a, a Discord, a members-only Discord, so uh, you can get some access to the different analysts at 444. We've added a lot of good talent on the writer side and analyst side, and uh, pretty excited about uh, you know football being played this year. It wasn't looking too good for, for a little while there. You guys actually do something that uh, I think pairs very well with a with a waiver wire podcast, which is, is it is it Jennifer each week who produces the, the droppables column? Yeah, the dead weight uh, column that she writes. Uh, yeah, I love it. Talks about players that are disappointing and can probably be cut at this point. We don't need to keep waiting on them. 
I love that you guys do that. I've toyed with it before, but I'm always too much of a coward to tell people who to drop. It's so much easier to just, you know, scattershot a whole bunch of names out there that they can add. But man, you, you're, you're really on the hook if you tell people who to drop. So anyway, I love that you guys have that feature. It's really good. I want to dive into waiver ads for week four, obviously. But before we do that, I, I want to do just a, a quick, uh, we won't, we won't take on every position here, but I do want to talk about some of the running backs that were just mass added ahead of week three, some of which hit, some of which did not. Um, we don't even have to spend a lot of time on the ones that on the ones that hit. But maybe if I get your quick thoughts on the ones that I think were relatively successful, Daryl Henderson, Los Angeles had another big game. Jarek McKinnon was pretty good. Didn't have a full workload, but pretty good. And uh, and Mike Davis kind of went off a little bit. It wasn't the full Christian McCaffrey experience, but maybe it was 80 percent of it, which was which will certainly carry you through two or three weeks. Yeah, I think in Carolina, you weren't sure that he was going to see all those touches. I mean, Reggie Bonifant was the backup last year and, and Davis came in and beat him out for that job. And they brought up Bonifant from the practice squad. So sometimes you see that practice squad player come up and end up leading the team in carries or touches. And that did not happen. They really like Mike Davis and he's uh, big in the passing game as well. So I think you can, if, if you were a McCaffrey owner and you got Davis, I think you did about as well as you, you're going to do. Um, Daryl Henderson, just fantastic over the last two weeks. Uh, my worst cut of the year so far was I dropped uh, <laughs> Henderson for James Robinson, uh, which, you know, the Robinson side of it worked out fine, but I wish I would have found a different player to cut uh, other than Henderson because it did look like uh, Cam Akers was going to start and then Malcolm Brown did real well. So we'll see how long his value lasts in that Rams offense. But uh, right now it looks like he's the lead back. McKinnon was fantastic uh, uh, for the 49ers. I mean, Jeff Wilson came in and at, towards the end and scored a couple touchdowns, but uh, all three of those uh, pickups were pretty good this last week. Yeah. So how do you, how do you read the Rams running back situation right now? Because a little part of me still fears really everything that Sean McVay has been telling us uh, from the off season to this point, which is that it's still in his mind, a bit of a committee, but this is two weeks in a row that Henderson has been flat out the guy and the closer and has produced in a pretty big way. Of course, like Malcolm Brown was great in week one, did the usual week one Malcolm Brown thing um, and was still part of the plan in week three, even coming off like a midweek surgery, which was relatively impressive. But um, is your read on this that this is just Henderson going forward until he does something terrible to lose it? Well, I think, you know, coming in week one and week two, uh, Akers got the start. And I think they want Akers to take that job, but he just did not play well enough. You know, he got injured, obviously, week two. Week one, I didn't think he had any room to run. Uh, Malcolm Brown just seemed like he had better plays run for him or better blocking for him. And he was the one that was producing that week. Uh, and then, I mean, how do you turn down Henderson's, you know, 200-yard games in a row and, like, go away from him right now? I mean, Akers is on the men. They'll probably uh, let him get fully healthy before they bring him back. And then and it's going to be a committee maybe, but I think Henderson will lead that committee until he, he falls flat on his face. I'm, I more or less disagree with that. I'm, I'm probably like a week away from like, I'm still hanging on to acres in, um, uh, I think one 12 team league and I'm still hanging on to him actually in a 10 team league. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to cut him. If there were better options on the wire this week, I might have cut him loose. It's not my favorite waiver wire week, so um, I'll probably hold on to him for another week. But like if, if it's another it's another big performance from Henderson, I might I might be prepared to let him go. 
I also want to talk to you about this Giants backfield because I may have, I don't know, with the exception of Mike Davis, I might have taken more questions on the combination of Deion Lewis and Devontae Freeman and Gallman and whatever else than anything else over the prior seven days. And it amounted to nothing. It amounted to absolutely nothing. We can probably give Devontae Freeman a pass, right? He basically had a midweek Zoom call with the Giants or something <laughs> and shook hands with a couple people. And like he, he was totally new to the building, new to the system. So fine. You get a pass. Is Daniel Jones going to lead this team in rushing? Is that just the way it's going to go this season and we don't have to worry about any of these guys? Or do you have hope for Freeman? Yeah, I mean, it, this is a rough situation and the offensive line is not great. We saw it in week one against the Steelers. Like Saquon Barkley really couldn't do anything in the running game. I and mean, he caught quite a few passes in that game. So I, I was not on any of these guys this week. Devonta probably, I think the encouraging thing is that he came out of there with five touches. Wayne Gallman had six. And Freeman, you know, still, as you mentioned, probably still looking for an apartment <laughs> as, he, as he moves to New York. But it's not, there's not going to be a big fantasy producer here. There'd have to be a really great matchup for me to, to get into any of this. But I think Freeman will eventually get into a 10 to 12 touch role. But I don't know how much they're going to be able to run the ball just the way, with the way this offense is set up right now and how ineffective it is. Yeah, that's that feels about right. I do I do keep coming back to the Monday night opener with Saquon not being able to get anything going against Pittsburgh. Granted, Pittsburgh's great tough. run defense. Yeah, that's a degree of difficulty matchup and all that. But uh, Saquon was a obviously a player is a player who can overcome that kind of a matchup when healthy and obviously had a good day as a receiver. Freeman maybe not that guy, right? Fre- Devonta Freeman is not at this stage somebody who's going to overcome. A lousy offensive line or at least an overmatched offensive line so um yeah i'm kind of with you there i didn't go all in on freeman anywhere which felt good unfortunately i had actually held on to freeman in a couple of deep leagues so i like it's no fun waiting out two weeks for a guy like Devonte freeman to land in kind of a bad spot but he did so now he's an occasional flex and that's about it so Let's talk about this week's more popular running backs. And I'm just going to, I do this with Scott. I'm going to do it with you. I'm just going to throw out a whole bunch of names. This is roughly the priority in which I would add them or, or place my claims. You can uh, feel free to disagree. I got to say, with the exception of this first guy, who is still somehow available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues, I'm not really, I'm not really all in on any of these guys. But I'm, I'm just going to throw out the names. You can feel free to ignore any of these players. You can you can speak about only one of them. You can say these are terrible names. Give me a new set of names, um, <laughs> and I may not be able to. But that's that's all on the table. Just go go wherever you want to go with this. I'll, I'll just say that I think it's weird that Miles Gaskin is still so widely available. He's clearly the lead back in Miami. That may not mean a whole lot. And no, if you're in an eight team league or in a ten team league, maybe Miles Gaskin isn't particularly interesting. He's not getting the goal line carries on a on a bad team. That's, that's you know, okay. That's rough, but like, the guy just is coming off a twenty seven touch game. Anybody who has the potential to see twenty seven touches in any given week should be on a roster somewhere in a twelve team league. I'm I'm shocked that he's so available. Other names: Carlos Hyde. I think might get interesting because Chris Carson again dealing with that uh, with that knee injury this week. Not like high level go all in interesting, but Carlos Hyde obviously could be stepping into a bigger role. You mentioned. Jeff Wilson, uh, somebody who's getting goal line carries for the Niners while Raheem Mostert is out. I'm not sure how long that's going to last, but it may be another week, in which case Wilson would again have a little bit of fantasy value. I expect that 
zillions of people are just adding Rex Burkhead today. Maybe not zillions, but certainly tens of thousands of people in Yahoo leagues are adding Rex Burkhead off the multi-touchdown game. He has these games like maybe twice a year, right? And I feel like we overreact to them in fantasy. I I guess I'm editorializing a little bit too much here. I said I was just going to give you a list and let you talk. But the Burkhead thing, I just want people to, you know, pump the brakes maybe slightly on this one because I feel like it was a product of James White being out um, and, and just the random sort of low touch but high touchdown Rex Burkhead game. Anyway, Brian Hill saw a little bit of work for Atlanta in their hideous loss to Chicago. I think Chase Edmonds a little bit interesting with Carolina on deck. Anthony McFarland saw a little bit of run in Pittsburgh behind James Conner. I threw Alexander Madison in here because I'm not like Dalvin Cook had a huge game. At one point late in the proceedings, he was limping around, uh, limping off the field, off to the sideline. I think he came back in the game, so I'm not particularly worried about it as of this point. But the guys limping around may not practice on Wednesday. If that doesn't happen, then uh, people are going to start to ask questions. So who of that mostly sketchy list uh, most interests you? Well, obviously, Gaskin is a must add. Uh, he's he's the lead back for the Dolphins. And, you know, Thursday night, they, they gave him workhorse type touches, which I thought was, you know, a little bit surprising because they went out and got Jordan Howard and Matt Breda and end up, uh, you, you know, tabbing uh, Gaskin to be the RB1. But he's also, uh, I think he had a goal line carry where inside the 10 carry and he's getting all the, the passing down work. So in PPR formats, uh, fantastic ad if you are in any sort of trouble at running back. I I see the word Bletch next to Jeff Wilson's on the, on the rundown <laughs> next to Jeff Wilson's name. I touted Wilson as a, as a player in our Discord uh, this this. Last week, as a player who had a legitimate chance at a multi-touchdown game, so I'm going to go ahead and give myself a pat on the back for that. Uh, he did have two back-to-back uh, -back multi-touchdown games early last year, and he is the goal line back. Although it was it was funny to see McKinnon get that first rushing touchdown. Uh, Wilson came in towards the end and really ate up in uh, in kind of garbage time. Uh, he got the two touchdowns, I think, in the fourth quarter, or at least one of them in the fourth quarter. But he was catching passes and and stuff as well. So I think if you're in real trouble, I would expect Mostert to sit another week. I, uh, we'll have to wait for the practice reports to see if that happens. It's one of these deals where with this th three-week IR, I look to see if they put that player on that IR uh, to kind of gauge how quickly they're expecting him back and they haven't put him on the IR. So I think they're hoping that most are back this week or next week. Um, but if, if Wilson's a, you know, tag team with, with McKinnon, uh, I think he's startable as like a flex Hyde as well. If, if uh, Carson misses and it sounded like he might miss a week, but it, it, I'm glad that that injury wasn't as serious as it could have been uh, based on how it looked, but he's got a nice matchup this week and um, you know, probably in a game that Seattle is going to, to win and he can get a lot of carries. He's not big in the passing game. They actually had Homer in there uh, on passing downs, but, uh, but Hyde can, uh, you know, this week, I think it's Miami, right? Uh, yep. This week. Yeah. So that's a game that, uh, you know, he might get 15 to 20 carries. Yeah, I should have mentioned Travis Homer as well as uh, sort of a deep PPR possibility. Again, it's Miami. It's a relatively friendly matchup. The matchup for Wilson, I, I don't know, maybe matchup doesn't even matter with Wilson because he just had a good day while carrying 12 times for 15 yards. That was the sort of visceral reaction there, the the black in the in the notes. I mean, I'm not I'm not some of that is is a function of role too, right? When you're the short yardage back, sometimes you get those those Asiata style fantasy lines that aren't necessarily pretty. But if there's an accompanying touchdown, it's fine. That could definitely be in play. But they've got Philadelphia this week. And almost the only thing that has gone right for Philadelphia is stopping the run. They did it last year. They're doing it relatively effectively this year as well. 
absolutely nothing else working for the Eagles. Um, but but they can stop the run a little bit. So, but maybe maybe Wilson is so inefficient that he's impervious to matchup, right? We don't even care because you're not expecting yards. You're just hoping for touchdowns. So maybe that's the case there. This is not, gotta say, it's not my favorite crop of running backs that we've ever talked about on this show. But again, the the one takeaway here for me, uh, go go get Miles Gaskin. Like there's no reason that Miles Gaskin isn't rostered in like 75% of Yahoo leagues. Again, I understand it if you're in a 10 teamer and you, you just don't have room for the guy. But listen, m- most leagues, most competitive leagues are like 12 and 14 teams and he just needs to be on a roster somewhere. It's ridiculous. A guy with 25 plus touches is not universally rostered let's hit wide receiver because wow the rookies sort of went off at least a couple rookies did justin jefferson huge game a game that would have fit perfectly into his lsu tape and into his lsu game log it was uh it was outstanding seven catches i want to say it was nine targets 175 yards and a touchdown he was going at it with uh with malcolm butler and it was fun like they were jawing at each other and and jefferson was pulling down highlight catches really great to see it's uh, moderately surprising i guess to me that it took multiple weeks for him to leapfrog uh bc johnson in the receiving hierarchy there but i you know rookie in a season without uh, a preseason maybe that makes a little bit of sense T. Higgins, a couple of touchdowns. This is two weeks in a row that he's drawn a fair number of targets. It wasn't a perfectly clean game from T. Higgins, but they targeted him in the uh, in goal to go situations. And those targets haven't really been working for A.J. Green. They sure worked for T. Higgins. That was good to see. Alan Lazard of your Packers with with kind of a wow game. And he did some things that I don't normally associate with Alan Lazard. Right. It was like a couple of deep shots that you might normally think would go to, to MVS or certainly to Devonte Adams. But no, Devonte seemed to work out for Lazard. He was great. Had a long touch or had a had a touchdown in that one. A couple of long gains. Andy Isabella is probably going to be a popular ad because he's coming off a two touchdown game, even though pretty light workloads, obviously not the number one or the number two there. Golden Tate without Sterling Shepard gets interesting to me. Uh, And then we have a couple guys that probably interest me more than anybody else on this list. And that is uh, Chase Claypool of the Steelers, who was just a, a freak at the combine, right? Like he's got size, he's got speed, he's a leaper. We've already seen him make highlight plays this year. And he had a quiet week three, relatively speaking, in terms of of just fantasy production. But he outsnapped every other Pittsburgh receiver. He played 61 snaps in this game. That, to me, is really good to see. And this is one of those opportunities where, like, maybe you don't have to bid as much to get a guy. Like, you can get him ahead of the big week. Like, there's surely there's a big week coming for, for Chase Claypool if he's going to see the field this much, as talented as he is, and with what, he've, what we've already seen him do with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And then we have to somehow deal with this Cedric Wilson week because I don't, I don't even know how to process it. Like, I don't really think as good as the Cowboys offense is, I don't really think they can support four fantasy receivers. That doesn't happen very often, along with a tight end that uh, is pretty frisky and we care about. But if you can make a case for Cedric Wilson, please do it. I'm going to ignore Cedric Wilson's big week. If it happens <laughs> again uh, soon, then I will start to pay attention. But he was, I think, fifth in snaps at the receiver position maybe fourth um but yeah yeah i as a 
Gallup owner, as a Mari Cooper owner, as a uh, CD Lamb owner. Everybody's frustrated with the whole the whole Wilson thing. You mentioned a, there was a good list of guys uh, that you mentioned. I remember you talking about uh, Jefferson on our pod. You, I think you had him ranked the highest of the rookie receivers. And I think we've had this weird offseason where some of these guys are getting off to a, to a slow start. And it's due to the, the reasons that everybody's discussed, uh, you know, Zoom meetings instead of actually being out in the field and working on the game. Higgins is definitely moving up. I believe he led the the Bengals in, in uh, routes run or snaps, one of the two, maybe both. Um, Chase Claypool, I think, is a definitely a good add if Deontay Johnson looks like he's going to miss any time. Uh, you know, as the third or fourth receiver splitting time with James Washington, I'm not as high on him, but he's he's almost like a like a Nicole Hardman plus type guy where, hmm. you know, all it takes is one injury to that uh, receiving core. And he's now on the field 70, 80% of the time. And we've seen what he can do even in limited snaps. Um, so definitely there, you know, Lazard, I think once, once Adams comes back, you're going to kind of fall into the same pattern where MBS has a big game and maybe Lazard has a big game and you just can't count on uh, all three of them. But he was really impressive against the Saints in a game that MBS was just completely blanked. And if they didn't have Lazard, they would have been kind of lost in the passing game, I think. Uh, Andy Isabella was uh, behind Keyshawn Johnson in snaps. He was one one of my sneaky starts last week. I thought he was going to take over that Christian Kirk role, um, but didn't. Uh, It was more of a short short area you got the two touchdowns so you know we got a little bit lucky there but the four catches for 40 something yards usually he's a 20 yard you know per catch guy so i was expecting him to see a lot of air yards in that game he didn't see it so maybe that's going to come but because sean johnson didn't do much at all but how long is kirk out that's the big question his value sort of drives up when when kirk comes back so the only other names i wanted to mention maybe was brandon Ayuk. he had the big game for the for the 49ers uh he's i believe he's under 50 percent in yahoo leagues as far as being owned they, they handed the ball to him three times as well he had 101 total yards so he might be available on your waiver wire seems to be trending up and it doesn't look like Debo Samuel is going to be back until week five. So you might have another week where he's maybe the featured guy. And I saw an injury, Brian Edwards injury, uh, Henry Ruggs injury. Apparently, uh, John Gruden's pretty uh, worried about both of those players. And then you have Hunter Renfro. I think he had six for 84 and a touchdown. And he's, he's, yeah, facing, he's, he's facing the Bills. And the Bills gave up nine, oh, 9 for 107 to Cooper Cup with a touchdown, uh, 7 for 76 to Isaiah Ford, and 7 for 115 and a touchdown to Jamison Crowder over the first three weeks, all slot receivers. So I think he could have a good game there. Greg Ward and Scotty Miller, the only other two names that sort of jumped out at me as guys that are having big games. And you're looking at, you know, Chris Godwin maybe being out, then Miller is going to be on the field 78% of the time. Yeah, I think the other name that, uh, and, and thank you for calling out Ayuk, I should have had him in there. I was I was thinking of him in terms of the, the rookie receivers as well. Little bit concerning obviously that Kittle and Debo come back in the relative uh near term but still uh they're handing him the ball as well had big plays there he's like a he's like a little bit like uh LaVisca Chenault uh but uh perhaps tied to a better offense when uh when they really get back to full strength if they ever get back to full strength Cole Beasley moderately interesting to me as well because he, he hasn't had a bad game yet um he's been he's been peppered with targets by MVP candidate Josh Allen so far um it, like it's been good he's 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 produced uh it's been I want to say 50 yards a week steady targets like in a, a PPR sort of way uh he's been pretty interesting and, and he's available in like 90 percent of Yahoo leagues right now so if I can get just a few more thoughts on on Lazard like do you think that his usage that we saw in the uh in the Sunday nighter is that just 
is that just a one-time thing that's going to be like Adams was out and and they took a couple of deep shots with him? Because I just don't, I, as a prospect coming out of college, I didn't think of him as like a as like a big play receiver. But here we are. He's averaging almost 15 air yards per target right now. And this is just not the identity that I had in mind for Alan Lazard. Maybe it was a one-time thing and it's all sort of skewed by, by a couple of deep shots that they took with him. But I, I thought that was really good to see. And if there's any possibility that it continues, I'm, I'm super interested. Well, he's a, he's a good player and he's more of a possession receiver in that offense. I think a couple things happened here with the, with the Packers in that game is that those deep shots usually go to MVS and they just, he wasn't getting targeted yeah. on, on them at all. And I think, they decided to use Lazard in that role when it just wasn't happening for MVS where he wasn't getting open for whatever reason, whatever the offensive coordinator was seeing upstairs or wherever he was, he was sitting. Uh, MVS was just not a, a big part of that game. And that coupled with Devontae Adams being out just, you know, otherwise Devontae would have had 14 targets probably in this game against, against the Saints. So, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit, you know, if, if Devontae sits another week, okay, we can get Lazard in the in the wide receiver three, wide receiver four rankings. But if he comes back, I think they'll have I'll have him and MVS, you know, down that forty to fifty range. You know, as guys that can, especially against Atlanta, have big games, but you just don't know which one it's going to be. And now they've also got a tight end that they're throwing to, so it, it, it's just a little bit. Uh, it, the, the pie just happened to be very big against the Saints for for Lazard last, uh, on uh, Monday night or Sunday night. You mentioned the Atlanta matchup. So obviously uh, an incredibly friendly matchup. I mean, Nick Foles just picked apart Atlanta late. So I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers could do it. Uh, It's a Monday nighter. So you get an extra day for Devontae Adams to come back. I think I would as as hard as Devontae was reportedly trying to make it back for the Sunday nighter. I would be pretty optimistic uh, if I had him on a roster that that he would get back for a Monday nighter in week four. You mentioned the tight end position. Um, <laughs> tell us about Robert Tanyan, uh, who's suddenly an emerging. Uh, to, I mean, Green Bay just makes these guys up. It's like it's like the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball, where like these non prospects come up and just have incredible seasons. What what is a Robert Tanyan? He's actually from Indiana State. He's a Sycamore. Um, he's probably he's probably the greatest athlete in Indiana State Sycamore history. I can't even think of another. Uh, tell us about him. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Indiana State because I went back and looked at his uh, highlights from there, and he had like they had like three one-handed catches. He was a he's a he's a former wide receiver, and they've converted him to tight end, so he's a good route runner. He's pretty fast. We don't like that, right? We just like former basketball players who are who are converted to tight end. We I don't, like we don't both. Like- I like I like both. I like the converted receiver, and I also <laughs> like the, the converted basketball player. Um, it's interesting taking a football player and making him a tight end. We'll see how it works out. It's never been tried. <laughs> uh, he he uh, he trains with uh, George Kittle every summer. So the last two summers they they worked out together. He's got the same hairdo as Kittle. So I've I've dubbed him hashtag Baby Kittle on Twitter. I'm trying to get it going, but nobody's nobody's coming along with me. So it'd be great if you could commit to calling him Baby Kittle next time he scores a touchdown. Uh, uh, has, maybe Kittle is Baby Tanyan. I mean, yeah, might, shoot, this was a well, big game. Let's hope so. As a Packer fan. 60% of the snaps, three straight weeks, his role grew. Obviously, with Devontae out, you just don't know what it's going to be. I mean, he wasn't targeted, I don't think, in week one. He had three targets in week two. He had five targets in week three. So that's growing, but I think a lot of that's skewed because of Devontae not being on the field. But he's a really good athlete. Um, my first memory of him is catching a bomb against the Seahawks, and I didn't even know who he was. I'm like, who is this guy? And he's just like, like just postures for the crowd. I love the bravado. Uh, he's basically... Take, he's eaten Jay Sternberger, just gobble him up, and uh, is, 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 has the number one role there for the for the Packers. And it's about time because it's been a while since they've had a good a good tight end. 
Other tight ends that I think we need to talk about as potential ads. Guy we mentioned last week, obviously coming off a big game, Dalton Schultz. Kind of doubled down. It wasn't a super impressive fantasy line, but the targets were there for a second straight week. And it sure looks like he's just going to be whatever you thought Blake Jarwin was going to be. That is uh, what you're going to get from Dalton Schultz. Um, Bears tight end Jimmy Graham. They collected tight ends like um, some people collect stamps in the in the offseason. And one of them is working. Jimmy Graham, two touchdowns against Atlanta. Obviously a friendly matchup, but they are looking for him in goal-to-go situations. So deep league, obviously you're interested in Jimmy Graham. Eric Ebron finally found the end zone. We uh, heard a lot of buzz, especially from writers around that team. Everybody seemed to do a preseason piece that uh, highlighted Eric Ebron's potential in Pittsburgh's offense. And we finally saw a little bit of it. He gave us 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, and Mo Alley-Cox, outperform- you know, we thought maybe he was going to be a one-hit wonder because Jack Doyle was coming back and Jack Doyle sucks the fun out of everything. But no, Cox still found the end zone in, a, obviously, a friendly matchup against the Jets, but it was good to see. Who do you like from that group? Well, Mo Alley-Cox is a converted basketball player, so I'll just start there. The, the only concern... <laughs> And I, I would love for him to win that job because I think he's the more exciting upside player, more athletic. Uh, Doyle is fine, and I actually like Doyle heading into the season because I just thought he was going to absorb targets uh, from from Philip Rivers. But Doyle came back; he did outsnap, or I think it was out, or routes run, uh, sixteen to eight uh, out out uh, outran as far as routes. Uh, Ali Cox, so he, you know, Ali Cox did the, the did what he did on half the routes, and that says something. Maybe the team starts to you know shift more snaps over to to him and away from Doyle, but we don't we're not sure. So he, if he's only running eight routes, that's, that's pretty dicey. You'd like to see your your tight ends getting thirty plus routes if you can. Schultz was fine. Um, in that offense, he's not going to hit every week for you. Uh, obviously, with Cedric Wilson going nuts, he's not going to probably. <laughs> uh, it looks like there's going to be a fourth random player that's going to be thrown in for the for the Cowboys every week. That's going to, to kill it. Um, and Jimmy Graham, yeah, I was t- kind of taking a shot that the Packers haven't had a good tight end in quite a while. I was kind of taking a shot at Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I was, he didn't bite on it, but uh, yeah, he he was getting target after. I was watching the end of that Atlanta game, and it was just target after target after target. And if they're going to target him that much. Uh, he is going to catch some touchdowns. The only other player I'd, I'd mention is uh, Jordan Aikens for the for the Texans. Yeah, uh, the, the the Vikings gave up five for sixty one to Johnny Smith last week and five to eleven for to Allie Cox the previous week, and is having they're having some trouble in that passing game uh, as far as defending it. So Jordan Aikens is you know had seven catches I think two weeks ago. He didn't had a quiet game last week, but a good, I think he's a converted baseball player. So we've got. We've got that sample size of one now at the tight end position. To yeah, see I how feel he like does. the only thing you don't want to be is a converted football player. Like it's the only thing that doesn't work out. Anything else is in play. Yeah, I, I didn't mention Akins because he's been such a fixture on this on this podcast. We've been oh, okay. begging people to add him for so long that uh, it I, I had I had frankly forgotten that he was that he was still widely available because we keep talking about him. I want to shift to quarterback in. I, w- I want to get your thoughts. Like, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 37 years old. It's not like he's leveled up or anything like that. We just happened to see a really, a really efficient, really fun game from him against. Uh, I, like, that was a fun Thursday night. We have a we have a dog of a Thursday night game coming up between Denver and the Jets. I don't I don't know why oh. anybody ever schedules the Jets for these island games, but they do. But that was 
fun. Miami, Jacksonville, even the even the missed big plays were fun. The the you know the bad was fun. The good was fun. Like it was all just fun. Ryan Fitzpatrick, where did he go? Eighteen for twenty, sixteen for eighteen, something like that. He only only misfired on two passes. One of them hit Mike Gusecki in the face too. So I, I don't even want to count that one. Like he was great. One hundred sixty yards, couple of touchdowns, had a rushing TD. Just a really good effort. And he's got Seattle up next, and Seattle hasn't. Like it, it doesn't hasn't mattered yet because Russell Wilson has gone supernova, but Seattle hasn't stopped anyone. They the lowest passing total against Seattle so far this season. Granted, they face good quarterbacks, but the lowest passing total is Cam's 397 yards. Ever, like the other two guys have gone over 400. Dak went over 400. Ryan went over 400. Can Fitz be stopped this week? It, it's not going to matter. They're not going to win. Russell Wilson's going to throw for six touchdowns, but can Fitz get them to 35 points? Yeah, he's going to be ranked in my top 20 for sure. Uh, maybe even getting towards top 15 because of how these games are going with Seattle. They're averaging 440 yards passing yards allowed uh, <laughs> in three games. And as you mentioned, the lowest was 397 or whatever from, from Cam Newton, who's not known as a volume passer. So it's 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 kind of a combination with the, the Seahawks offense rolling so much. And it, it, it puts you the opposition in a situation where they have to throw the ball a lot more than uh, they probably want to. So I would expect a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick dropbacks. You know, he throws. Does anybody look like they're trying to throw the ball harder than Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> at this point in his career? But he's, I mean, he's throwing the ball sort of hard, but he looks like he's just gunslinging it every time um a lot of a lot of miles gaskin pass catches probably uh i definitely uh think he's going to be a good streamer uh, did, what do you think of cousins now with uh coming off a pretty good game with jefferson emerging he's got he's got the texans it's it's crazy that cousins is drawing me back in because i i like i had just watched really ahead of sunday's fantasy football live i had just watched Cousins is like every snap of Cousins is week two performance. And it's like, you can't believe that's a pro quarterback. It's crazy that that Cousins at this stage of his career is even capable of a game like he had in week two. And then a monster performance in week three, which is the most Kirk Cousins thing ever to do to rebound from the season's worst performance with the season's best performance. Um, I think it is going to be meaningful that they've they've finally there's going to bring Justin Jefferson on the field all the time. And I think Jefferson not to bring it back to him, but he was often characterized as purely a, a slot receiver. But some of his best highlights at LSU came from outside. Like, I think you can do just about anything with him. And he's going to be a really good player. And I mean, he's not at this stage of his career. He's not Stefan Diggs. But if he steps into those vacated targets, he's going to be really fun. And it can change things fundamentally for Kirk Cousins. And then you look at the schedule ahead for Cousins. It's Houston. It's Seattle, who we just mentioned, and it's Atlanta. So you've got a three-game runway here. I mean, he's going to surely he's going to blow up in at least two of those games. So I feel like he and Fitz are probably the primary quarterback streamers ahead of week four who who can potentially have some value beyond that. I would still, even off the terrible game, I would roll Gardner Minshew in there as well because he also has a relatively friendly schedule coming up at Cincinnati, Houston, and Detroit. He's going to get DJ Chark back. That's going to matter. I think we learned on Thursday night that the there's a step up from Conley to Chark and it's a, it's a big one and it's, it's going to help, right? Like Chark, I, I mean, he hasn't been heavily involved yet, but he also hasn't dropped any target. Like he's caught all of his targets so far. He obviously had the monster season last year. So I think that's going to make a difference in a very friendly uh, series of matchups. Other guys out there in a bunch of leagues, Derek Carr has, um, I believe a daunting matchup coming up, but he's got Kansas city in a couple of weeks. I'm kind of looking forward to that. He's been piling up multi touchdown games and I, 
I don't even know what to do with Nick Foles, but I'm in some super flex leagues where I probably have to put a bid on him, and I I have no idea what that should be. Yeah, Foles has uh, the Colts, which I would say is not great. He, they did a nice job on on Cousins, similar type player, and then he has Tampa Bay in Week Five, another sort of daunting matchup, I think. Uh, one player that I kind of stood out for his matchup this week is Baker Mayfield. He has got uh, the Cowboys. And they obviously gave up five touchdowns to Russell Wilson. They gave up four touchdowns, 273 yards to Matt Ryan. And they gave up 275 yards to Jared Goff. Uh, no touchdowns, though. So a nice matchup. I don't, I'm not real high on Mayfield in general, but this might be a game where they can't run the ball 6,000 times like they want to. And they have to tr- try to keep up with the lead of the Cowboys offense. Maybe they can jump out to the lead of the Cowboys and, and uh, you know, push the, the, the Browns to pass pass the ball a little bit more and they have plenty of talent in that in that receiving core for him to have 300 yards and a couple touchdowns against uh, the cowboys oh i could use it because i've got i've got odell beckham somewhere where i need a big week at some point maybe even just another double digit target week would do from odell beckham like i i thought i not i mean this is a pickups podcast and i probably shouldn't be talking about odell beckham but man i when a when a sort of diva receiver like that goes on like a, a passive aggressive rant where he's talking about how he's got to learn to be a supporting player in a run heavy offense and all that. I was like, oh, yeah, Odell is going off. This is this is happening. This is definitely happening. And then nothing happened last week. So uh, if it can't happen against the Cowboys, then I am then I am really concerned about Odell and the Browns offense generally. Yeah, that actually happened with Gronkowski, where he said he's just signed up to run block and he ended up seeing the most targets <laughs> uh, this last week. I think it's seven targets, six catches, something like that. So, yeah, usually this squeaky wheel theory uh works for you that uh, arians has produced some of my favorite quotes of this season like didn't he basically say why would i ever throw to tight ends when i've got good wide receivers <laughs> like that yeah i'm down with that they're not called tight receivers they're called tight ends we have we have wide receivers <laughs> to receive the ball i think that's basically what he was saying oh that is exactly right well i i want to thank you for for filling in for scott this week this has been really fun it's always a blast uh talking to you really enjoy it again you and i've been friends for a long time usually we uh we are able to tip back some beers together at an fsga convention i don't know when we're going to have one of those again so um it's fun to fun to pod with you man yeah it's good to see you and if you want to pay me back for you know, coming on the pod last minute, just use the use the hashtag baby Kittle once from your Twitter <laughs> account and I will feel like we were completely even. Do I actually have to use it uh, about Tanyan or can I use it about anyone? No, it has to be about Tanyan. I'm trying to get it started for Tanyan, not for some other person. So baby Kittle, Robert Tanyan, next time he makes a big play, just say baby Kittle. That's all you got to do. And then people will be like, what's this about? And then they'll search it up and they'll see <laughs> they'll see everything, all the background that I've created if you if you look on twitter you'll see the whole background like uh that i've that i've created with videos and you know stats and everything that you could possibly want for for robert tanya you're you're assuming that people recognize me as some sort of fantasy thought leader and they will care <laughs> when i use a hashtag i appreciate that i appreciate that it's probably not going to go down that way but i appreciate that you that you think of me that way um, converted receiver okay <laughs> it'll, ne- it'll never work out um it's a terrible plan uh, anyway, you guys should follow John on Twitter. He's at four for four underscore John. Uh, it is a it is a super informative Twitter feed, actually. Like you, d- don't you? Maybe I'm holding you to a standard that you can no longer maintain. But d- don't you pick a day <laughs> out of the week where you like tweet out a bunch of really fun nuggets? Like yeah, um, I, well, I used to do it uh, every Monday on Twitter, and I've uh, 
move that to our to our members only Discord. Although I do tweet out like a preview of it every week, so there's usually five or six pretty good nuggets, uh, you know, in in picture form. And if you if you want to sign up to the site, you use lots of cheap ways to do it now. And uh, the Discord has all the all those fantasy nuggets uh, that I'm not sharing with just the the plebs on the, on, on Twitter <laughs> anymore. Like, you need to sign up. We need we need <laughs> we need to be a subscriber to get those uh, those nuggets. Yeah, listen, my Twitter feed is mostly just me trolling other fantasy experts, and that's that's no fun. You can actually learn things from John's Twitter feed, so definitely follow it. Again, it's at 444 underscore John. Please check out any number of the podcasts within the Yahoo Sports Network. We've got the uh, Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, which I always say this, but it's true, especially that Sunday night freestyle. It's just a like it's a it's basically a fantasy podcast. I don't even know if those guys realize they're producing a fantasy podcast, but it's a great fantasy podcast. Please check it out. The Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Also, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetz and Pete Thamel and good friend of the program, Pat Forty. That's just a, a tremendous crew. Please check that out. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. Once more, huge thanks to Planners for sponsoring the show. Thanks to Sully, our producer. Tomorrow, Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don will take over the podcast. But until then, we are out.